Please stand as you are able and listen to the scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 through 13, found in your pew Bible in the Old Testament on page 629. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Yes, all who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, do not fear, I will help you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be God. to God. I'm going to continue reading from Walter Brueggemann's Prayers for Privileged People. This is entitled, Jolted by Address. We're surrounded by a din of demanding voices, selling, recruiting, seducing, coercing. We screen them out in order to maintain our sanity, to secure our rest. And then in the night you address us, you call us by name, you entrust us to risky words, you empower us with authority. But your voice is on first hearing, not distinctive. We confuse your voice, O oh God, with that of an old friend, or a deep hope, or a powerful fear, or an ancient bias. We hear, but we do not listen, jolted, bewildered, resistant. But your voice sneaks up on us. You address us, you call us by name, you entrust us with risky words. You empower us with authority. Sometimes, occasionally, boldly, we answer, speak, I'm listening. Then we say, here am I. And listening, we're made new and sent dangerously by your address. I find it interesting that this passage in Isaiah begins with, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, sort of like the words that Gabriel gives to Mary, fear not. Do you know how many times fear not, don't be afraid appear in the Bible? Neither do I. So there's lots and lots of times that it shows up. And we're told over and over again, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Well, a little bit of fear is a good thing. A little bit of fear is what pushes you forward to do the things that God is calling you to do. My first Sunday here, a couple of people asked me how I was doing, and I said I'm as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. And I absolutely was. I've never gone into a new church without being terrified. 
fear is what gives me the impetus to continue doing what I'm doing. I don't want to let you down, and I don't want to let God down. So it better be pretty good, because God is the one who is speaking, not me. And it's a little terrifying. But the things that we fear often prevent us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. When we talk about stewardship, some of the fear that surrounds that is that if I give money to this, I won't have enough left for me. So we're afraid to give away our money. We're afraid that if we don't have enough, the whole world will fall apart. Our world will fall apart. When I was a little girl, probably around 10 or 12, it was when I started babysitting and I came home with my first dollar because I babysat for two hours. And I came in and my father handed me a bank. And it was one of those little cardboard banks that you folded up and it made into a church with a steeple and then there was a little hole in the steeple that you were supposed to put your money in. Everybody remember that? If you're my age, you do. And I had my dollar in my fist and my dad, Papa, said to me, put 10 cents in the bank. What? I earned this money, I worked for two hours to get this dollar, and it's mine. So Papa looked at me, and he said, have a seat at the dining room table, which was always a scary place to be. Have a seat, uh-oh. And so, my father gets his checkbook, and he gets all the bills. And he said, you know that I get paid once a month. And I said, yes. And he said, the month, sometimes we say we can't do that because we don't have the money, it's the end of the month, we have to wait. I said, yes. And he said, so this is how we do this. He said, these are the things that have to be paid. He said, it's the mortgage, the car payment. We have to set aside money for groceries. We have to pay insurance. We have to pay for the heat and the lights and all of that. And he had it, all the bills. Let me look at them. It was a lot of money. A lot of money. And he said, but this is how we start. And he sat down and he wrote four checks to Trinity Church, which was the church we attended in Rome, New York. And he paid all the rest of the bills. And I said, Pa, why is it that if we run out of money at the end of the month, you write those checks to the church first? And he said, that's why you put a dime in your bank. 
I don't understand. He said, have you ever gone hungry in this house? Have you ever had a birthday when you didn't get a present? Have you ever come home from school and there aren't cookies in the cookie jar? No. Have you ever had Christmas without a Christmas tree? Nope. Do you ever have Thanksgiving without a turkey on the table? Nope. He said, all of that is because we write the four checks to the church first. We don't give God the leftovers. We give to God first, and then God will see to it that everything else is there. Now, nobody ever sees me put a check in to the offering here because I put it in when I walk in because if I don't, I forget. But I haven't missed a Sunday yet because I don't want to be the one that says, gee, sorry, I need that for me and have something go wrong because I wasn't being faithful to what God has called me to. We can live in our fear that we're not going to have enough, and I'd be willing to bet you serious money that not one of you has an absolutely bare kitchen cupboard with nothing to eat in your home. Most of us have more food in our cupboards than we could eat in a week, but we still have to go shopping because, you know, you might run out of something. Anybody remember the toilet paper debacle, the beginning of COVID? I mean, seriously? You have to stockpile toilet paper? There was a time in my life when I learned that toilet paper can be used for coffee filters and coffee filters can be used for toilet paper. <laughs> Just saying, if you get into a bind. There are times when we worry about all the wrong things and we're afraid of all the wrong things. We're terrified that there's never going to be enough for us. We have to have our stuff and then what's left over we can give to God. And I've used the term here, but it comes from a woman who did stewardship workshops many, many years ago. Her name was Phyllis Bowers. She was out of Pennsylvania someplace. And Phyllis always would say, your tithe is not a tip on God's tablecloth. And I love that expression because what gets sliced off? It's a little bit of your tip, maybe. We don't give God what belongs to God out of our leftovers. We can be fearful of what is around the corner. We never know. You never know what's coming next. Because the minute I spend my money, I'm going to get a big bill for something. It's interesting to me how things tend to work out. That there always seems to be enough when I was in seminary, I was really, um, 
I was living pretty much hand-to-mouth, working three part-time jobs. I had a son in high school, a daughter in college, and I was in grad school. And I would be sweating bullets about money, and invariably, the minute I thought, I don't have anything here, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'd get a check from some someplace, you know, for 50 bucks. I'd get asked if I could preach on Sunday in this church, which also, that brought its own set of fear. But, you know, I'd get asked to do something. And there was always money for what I needed. It's not something that you can really plan. And I believe that this was part of my upbringing. It was something that I was taught from the time I was a little kid. I remember taking the nickel to Sunday school when I was really little, and you'd get to put it in the can. And they always, they thought it was a really cool thing to have an old coffee can for kids to put their offering in because it really made a good noise. Clunk! You know, it was great. I served a church once that had children that passed what they called a noisy can and they would collect people's change for camperships. And it amazed me the number of people that kept their change all month long and came with a bag full of change. But when the kids came with the can, you didn't just drop the bag in, you had to turn it upside down to make all the noise because that's what the kids loved. And they would line up at the counter in the kitchen to divide up the pennies and the nickels and the dimes and the quarters. And every now and then they'd get a silver dollar and that was a good Sunday. But they managed to raise $1,200 for camperships by collecting change. We have so much, my friends. It's not just in our material wealth, but what we have. The things that we take for granted the things that we forget to say thank you for on a daily basis. Just looking at the trees around us in this place at this time of year is a gift that we cannot just say, hey, look, this is a cool thing. It's beautiful. We are a blessed people. We don't need to live in fear. The boogeyman is not around the corner. Our scripture says that God is with us. And we need to rely on that, to believe that God truly is with us every second of every day. Even when we're sleeping, God is there. When we think we're in charge, when we think we've got it, we've had it. Give your fear to God. And in the words of Julian, all will be well. All manner of thing shall be well. Amen.